Hi, I'm Sam Garland. I'm an actor in Brooklyn, New York, and I believe that everyone on this planet is deeply creative. And not only that, I believe that engaging with our creativity is what connects us to our humanity and to our divinity. Whether it's starting a business, homeschooling your kids, cooking, painting, dancing, writing, acting, knitting, gardening, we are all called to express ourselves in myriad, incredibly unique ways. These are our gifts to the world. And yet, and yet, most every artist suffers terribly from self-doubt, from fear of public humiliation, from being too hard on themselves. That's certainly been my journey. I've done a lot of work on why my brain attacks when I'm being creative and how I can let this thing that I'm called to do out into the world. I'm still figuring it out, and I invite you to join me. Hi, my friends. Welcome back for episode 16 of Be Your Own Damn Muse. This is Sam Garland, and something really interesting happened. Um, so I use this really wonderful program platform called podcast, which allows me to upload my episodes and then it publishes out to all the different platforms, these podcast episodes, for instance, they, it pushes out to iTunes and, um, Amazon, I think has a podcast, I forget what it's called and iHeartRadio and, podcast addict and pretty much anywhere you listen to a podcast, this one platform lets me reach all of you guys, no matter where you are through this one platform, which I find super useful and kind of genius. Um, so shout out to Buzzsprout because I really dig them for that. And what they also do is they send me emails every week and they let me know how many people have listened to my podcast that week. And there's all this really useful data, like they break it down by platform, who's listening where. Um, and I've really kind of launched into this whole podcasting extravaganza uh, with very low expectations, low goals. Like I really didn't set out to build a huge list or get 100,000 followers or any of that stuff. I set out on so many earlier goals or projects with those kinds of metrics, and I found it just made me kind of crazy. Um, and this podcast was really a way for me to talk to myself, to you guys, to kind of externalize the ongoing conversation I have with myself and with a lot of my art artsy friends about this journey that we're in. And I really purposefully did not put any kind of metric goals to it, like getting X number of downloads or growing any kind of list. I really, um, I don't know if I've said this before on the podcast, but I think about this a lot. I think any act of creativity is best served by building habits. The ability to show up consistently week to week or day to day is so much more important than kind of swing for the fences kind of big goals um, that you might, you know, like gear up to run a marathon, which is amazing. But then most people run a marathon and then don't move for the next few years, um, which God bless, they've earned it. <laughs> they ran a marathon. But, you know, that kind of um, huge, huge, huge expansion of energy and big, big goal and then nothing. And I've done that a lot. I've had big goals and really pushed through to them and that's definitely one way to yield results, but I burned out so much on those kinds of goals and I didn't find 
Um, what I was really looking for, which one of the clarifying questions of the pandemic for me was, um, you know, when I thought about what's really missing and what do I want when you take away sort of all external things to do when you're left on your own with a lot of time on your hands, which was my situation, um, it was really having creative practices, ways to show up consistently, playing music, finding outlets for acting, for performing, for creating, for connecting and building community. And so that was really kind of what I came with with the podcast. And I got an email around episode nine from Buzzsprout saying I'd had 100 listeners. And I was like, what? I was like, that is amazing. It wasn't 100 different listeners. It was 100 downloads, I should clarify. So 100 different people had listened to, you know, what's interesting is that um, it's not necessarily that it, it is in that week, but it's not necessarily that week's episode. So it's a hundred. Um, it was a hundred total listens at that point. And the email. So in nine episodes, I got a hundred listens, and then I got an email last week saying in that one week I had had thirty two downloads, and I was like, oh, that's a lot. That's like, that's like. it's like exponentially that's not just like you know incrementally more that's triple you know that's a third of what it took me nine episodes to get suddenly just happened in one week so nine weeks took a hundred sorry the math I'm I'm talking backwards but it you know the first nine episodes was nine weeks so in nine weeks I got a hundred downloads and then in one week I got 32 and one of the reasons for this is that most often, the more you put things out consistently, people discover a new episode and they go, oh, I wonder what else she's done. And they look back, right? We all do this. We go researching down a rabbit hole of somebody's old stuff. And if we like them, we'll listen to more, which is super exciting. I love that journey. Um, but but here's what's really interesting is I got that email and instead of being like, this is amazing. I must be doing something right. People are really digging this or listening. I, honest to God, was like, oh, God, I better step my shit up because obviously I am not ready for this level of attention and exposure. I'm obviously just like barely skirting by, not deleting the episodes every week. And now people are actually listening. And so I watched my brain spiral and one of my all-time favorite episodes, if you haven't listened, is episode three, which I recorded right after I published the first episode. And so I was grappling with that, I think, very normal human reaction of what have I done? Why did I share anything so vulnerable with the world? Why? Um, and this is sort of another version of that. But I just was so intrigued in in looking at my mind spiral. And the other thing that happened is um, I like people are responding. Uh, I got invited to promote myself on um, an Instagram page that promotes creatives. And um, and I got invited to be a guest speaker on someone else's podcast, which is like so cool and so fun. And I'm utterly terrified. And I was like, what the hell is going on? Isn't this the whole point, right? Isn't the point to connect and find your tribe and be of service and have something that helps people along in their day a little bit? Um, and, and so, so this is kind of the curiosity that I think is really interesting because when you think about it, that knee jerk reaction of that's too many people, I can't control who those people are. I don't know who they are. Right. When there was like five people listening a week, I was like, oh yeah, that's probably like my mom, my aunts, a friend or two, maybe my old, my old high school theater teacher. God love him. 
still finds me on Facebook and like shouts me out. I adore that man. Um, you know, like there's some some old teacher who's listening. Love it. You know, but it felt like a very small, cozy circle of people that I knew and felt really safe with. And suddenly I think of 32 people and I'm like, I don't know that I know 32 people who actually want to listen to this. And truth be told, I didn't make this podcast for my immediate friends. I love them dearly. And a lot of them, we have these conversations a lot. Um, but that's like a handful of people that I really talk to, you know, regularly about creating and being an artist. And I purposely, again, didn't make a thing just so that I could show my friends. I made a thing because I wanted to find people to connect with. So the paradox here is, right, this thing that I wanted, which was to find a larger community and connect and be of service is happening. <laughs> and the direct result is my brain is like, shut this shit down. This is a terrible idea. And so I've been really sitting with like, what is that about? And, and you know, the result of that sort of feels like a repudiation of success, right? Here I am putting something out there that I'm very proud of, terrified to share, but still really proud of. Um, and it's connecting with people. And I'm like, oh, no, they should not connect. What are you doing? Why are you listening? Go away. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, God. Um, and so I think for me, a lot of it comes down to this idea of control and this really deep fear that I'm going to be misunderstood that I'm going to say something that offends someone or hurts them or causes them pain in some way. And, um, you know, that goes hand in hand with a very much desire to be liked and to belong and to be a part of something. And, and so I was thinking about this, there's, there was an interview. So there was an interview an actor gave, uh, Justin Thoreau, if you know him, he's been in a lot of really great stuff. He's a phenomenal actor and also a writer. Um, and he uh, was engaged for several years to Jennifer Aniston, who you probably know from the show Friends, is like a mega superstar across the world. And Justin Thoreau was in this interview about his, I think it was a Vanity Fair retrospective about his life and his career. It's, they've been doing really amazing stuff uh, with different actors. Anyway, he was talking about, he was talking about advice he'd been given by someone else who was also very famous and in a very public relationship. And I wish I remember the actor because it'd be such a cool thing to like name drop, but I don't. So this other actor, it's like a George Clooney-esque person in the world who had a lot of attention on him. And and he said to Justin, he was like, now you're in this relationship with Jennifer Aniston, who's just a huge entity in the world. And what you have to understand is from now on, there's going to be two versions of you. There's going to be the version that lives in the tabloids that people write about, that people speculate about, that people have ideas about. And that's like a character. It's a character sort of based on you, but like no one really knows who you are, the people who are writing those things. And then there's going to be you who's actually living your life, who's figuring out how to be in a relationship, how to be creative, how to be a writer, an actor, and like living your life. And you don't really control that other narrative. You know, it's sort of like a version of you is starring in a big blockbuster film and there's a lot of attention and curiosity and trailers and photo shoots and people are like really excited about the next. You guys, if I knew anything about MCU, I would like reference something, but I know nothing. Um, but like right, they're really excited about the next superhero movie coming out and there's, you know, comic cons happening around you. Um, 
And and you have to, you know, or your sanity, you don't have to, you can choose to kind of chase that and try to correct the record and make yourself crazy, but it will make you crazy because you don't control that. And people are going to have lots of ideas and opinions and write long articles and have tabloid headlines about something that is not at all happening in your actual life because that sells newspapers and magazines. And I thought, wow, that's really interesting. Um, and I... I'm not at all at that level, kind of hope not to ever be at that level of exposure and fame. I think that is really hard on the psyche. Um, but at my own little 32 downloads last week, uh, level of panic that I have over visibility um, and showing up, I, I've just been thinking about that idea of you don't control how people receive what you have to say and you don't control how people receive the art that you put out there, the choices you make as an actor, the ending to your novel that you wrote, you know, um, people are going to have reactions. People are meant to have reactions. People are meant to be angry, maybe angry about your stuff. If it's like a story that's really divisive, you know, I think of the ending of the Sopranos was like this huge thing that people up on arms up. People are still talking about game of Thrones and how that ended, right? There's always going to be disgruntled fans who are writing to the network and the showrunners wanting a change. Um, and God love them for their passion. That's not necessarily a bad thing. That's engagement, right? But it's been really interesting to notice my own desire for, um, for for people pleasing for people not to to always just I'm trying to think and I, and again I'm not sure I have all the answers it's something I'm very much sitting with and I'm bringing to you to kind of get curious yourself about do you get stuck around this um, but for me you know I and I don't know if it's like a middle child syndrome thing of I just want everyone to be okay and get along because <laughs> I definitely have that I'm like just please I would so much rather torture myself so everyone else can be happy which is a terrible thing. Don't do that. And I'm working on it, but it's, it's definitely one of my go-tos. And, and so this idea that, you know, I might be on a podcast as a guest and I say something off the cuff because I'm just being invited to say something. And then it really strikes someone badly or I offend them or I say something, you know, using language that's diminishing or, um, or dismissive or, or I don't know. I don't know what it would be. Obviously my, you know, anxiety brain is running away with a whole scenario that I can't even define, but just that panic of wanting everyone to always be okay and like me and not even just like me, but feel safe around me, feel cared for, I guess is one of my values. And that's not a bad value. I'm not saying that. But it does limit me in my ability to say, yes, I'll be on a podcast or yes, I'll promote myself on Instagram or yes, you know, I'll go to do this thing where I don't feel this sense of incredible control, which let's be honest, is where also this podcast started was like, cool, cool. It'll just be me and a mic and like five people listening and I'll have so much control and it will like sort of allow me to examine this fear that I have about having a larger platform and being heard in the world. Um and so that's what I'm doing, right? I'm inviting attention and it's showing up and I'm going like, oh God. So the one final lesson that I'll share with you, because I've also been mulling this over, I'm part of this incredible life coach program called the Life Coach School that Brooke Castillo, who I think is an absolute rebel and revolutionary started. And one of the things that she teaches um, is that in all communication, conversation, there's sort of four parts. There's what you say, what you meant to say, what the person heard, and what the person made it mean. 
And what I find really hard is not being able to control what the person heard and what they made it mean. And I think those that's an absolute fundamental truth of being a human, that we can be in a conversation and we can mean for something to be incredibly loving and kind or thoughtful or curious and someone else has a very different perspective or lens or experience and they're going to be hurt or upset or or be offended by it and you know in the spaces of anti-racism and really making sure that we are lifting up uh overlooked uh populations and communities there is a lot of pushback on just because you didn't mean to hurt someone doesn't mean you didn't hurt them and i really want to acknowledge that i agree i think it's really important to um be aware that your words can have impact even if you didn't mean for that impact but i also think that in that context what it is saying is if you didn't mean to cause harm and you did if you are then able to step back and listen to how you caused harm and learn from it and apologize genuinely i think I would hope that there's a space for that to be a place of learning and repair rather than rather than just being sort of canceled, which is this new thing that's happening in our society, or at least in the Internet, which is maybe not a real reflection of society, but where a lot of us live and certainly where this podcast and this other version of me, right, this public quote unquote version of me lives. And. And I think even not being so afraid at the level of being canceled, although that is like a weird thing, a weird fear that I think we do live in in this world. Um, just the idea that I don't control that something I say could really hurt someone and that they might not and that they might not um, genuinely uh, if I did apologize, it wouldn't reach them. It wouldn't be enough, you know, and that I don't control their experience that maybe that's really important for them to feel hurt by something. It's really important for them to be offended. It's really important for them to feel very strongly and very angrily that I have said something that is not appropriate. And I don't know. I feel like I'm saying stuff that is super self-evident as I'm talking. So maybe this is just me uh, needing to uh, buck up and own my own opinions and be okay with disgruntled people. But apparently I don't have that skill yet. So I'm just sharing the tension between, you know, really wanting to have opinions and be in conversation and and tackle difficult topics and also um, not certainly not feel like we live in a world right now where like that's okay to to just fuck up and say something wrong or inappropriate and then be able to learn from it and apologize and 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 grow from it and like goddamn that's the truth of all human experience we only grow by fucking up and being called on it called into the lesson um anyway i think this is really interesting in terms of how we think about all the art, right? Because there's the making of the art and then there's the promoting of the art and the selling of the art and the finding your audience who wants to buy your art. So there's a lot of places where you're putting yourself out there and being vulnerable and brave and and sharing your stuff and asking to be seen and asking. And it's not that everybody has to like your art or agree with you, but you're definitely going to have to decide to take up space. And there's definitely a gendered experience of I feel like girls are taught not to take up space. Hopefully that's changing. Um, but uh, listening to um, 
Glennon Doyle talk about her experience actually with her kids. So maybe it's not changing a ton, but she was just sharing that, you know, this anecdote of raising, um, She's got a boy and a couple of girls, but the girls had a couple of guys over. So it was anyway, it wasn't her boy kids, but this experience of asking them whether they were hungry and the boys immediately said, yep, 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 yep. And she was talking to someone about that later. And the girls had all sort of turned to each other to kind of decide, wait, are we allowed to be hungry? Should we ask for food? Is this a thing? Can we take up space? And then like one person had spoken as a spokesperson for all the group of girls and been like, no, we're good. And Glennon was like, whoa. And and so her reflection was a lot on kind of this girl um, training to not check in internally and decide whether or not you're hungry, but to really check in socially and decide how do we feel about eating. Um, but she got the feedback from someone, um, a male listener or a, a, a guest expert, I forgot who had given her his feedback, that his experience was that boys are trained to just never question, to just take up space automatically, to never not know the answer. And it's not necessarily better. I think it's detrimental in both genders. But but I think about that, you know, that at my I'm always going to hesitate first. I'm always going to make sure I'm listening before I speak. I'm always going to make sure I'm, I'm checking the space around me, checking the vibe, making sure that there's space to speak. And that is a socialization. Um, and I, again, don't always think it's a bad thing. I think it's great to be able to listen and, and take the mood of the room before you speak. Um, <laughs> let's be real. I don't always, sometimes I just have something I want to say and I say that. Um, but I'm just going to throw in this gendered lens, you know, that, that boys, men are often trained to just like swagger through stuff and, and then aren't trained to say, I don't know, or aren't trained to sit back and listen and aren't trained to kind of, um, be in, in questioning as much. And I think that's a loss for them, but that ability to just take up space almost as a muscle. I kind of want that for us as artists, you know, like that's, I think some people have it naturally as artists and God love them. That's so amazing because the world needs you to be sharing your stuff loud and proud. And I think for others of us, it's a thing we got to grow into. And so I think that's my journey this week with this podcast, like how to grow into the muscle that says, yeah, I'm going to show up. I got something to say. You don't have to like it. I, you don't have to listen. Anyone can turn me off. Totally fine. But I also have a right and a desire to show up and reach people who connect with me and are going to get something out of this. And like that requires a whole different muscle skill set than I have right now. And so here I am very vulnerably uh, showing up and practicing in front of all of you. Lord help me. All right, guys. I love you very much. Have a wonderful, blessed week. And I will talk to you next week. Take care.